You're listening to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their families. Thanks so much for joining us. My name is Todd Lesher. It's always good to be with you. Today, we are with one of my friends and co-workers, Darren Short, is with us on the podcast today, and we are going to talk about helping parents talk to their kids about sex. That's right. We're going there. So, Darren, thank you so much for joining us. Looking forward to this conversation. Thanks, Todd. Yeah, yeah well, happy to be here. Why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? Sure. Um, well, I am uh, a Yankee living in the South. Okay. That's important Me too. to know. I'm from Connecticut. Oh, there what, we go. Yeah, what about you? Uh, New York State. New York State. New All York right. State. Very, yeah. yeah. But uh, we've been in Charlotte 13 years. Um, I'm married. I have a beautiful wife, Laura, and we have four children ourselves, ages uh, nine, seven, five, and three, okay. almost three. Mm-hmm. And um, so we've been in that journey, but uh, I am privileged to be a counselor here on staff at Forest Hill. And um, we uh, all function here, all the counselors on staff kind of function as generalists. So we, yeah. we do a lot of marital therapy, individual therapy, work with children, work with adolescents, families. So that's kind of our... Um, uh, a broad scope of, yeah. of how we practice, but each one of us has uh, a little bit of a different specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, for me, I've, I've really enjoyed kind of diving into the brain, mm-hmm. neuroscience, yeah. um, neurobiology, things like that, um, studying that in connection to, um, you know, how we know that God has wired yeah. us, yeah. Um, how he's created us. That's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, that's, that's uh, and I'm also a pastor here as well, too. Yeah. yeah. I love weaving those things together. Very good. Multidimensional. It's pretty great. We tried to. Yeah. yeah. And you've been on the podcast before, way back at the very beginning. So it's great to have you back yeah. here. And, you know, just a shout out to Karen Counseling it has been a blessing to this podcast, to the families of Forest Hill, to the community of Charlotte. It's been really great. So thank you for the work that you and the team does to serve our church and families. Thanks, Todd. Absolutely. Well, we're going to talk about sex for a little while here on this podcast, which I think every parent has a responsibility to talk about with their kids. And I'll just give a little bit of background for my experience in that uh, growing up, my parents didn't really talk about it. Mm. And it had a faux pas to it. And it was hush hush. And I, I can remember, I think my family would hate that I shared this story, but I'm going to regardless. So my parents would go away about three or four times a year for a weekend away. And this was a, you know, a, a rhythm of theirs. And they would just get away for the weekend. And we'd have babysitters watch us or something like that, my brother and I. And as I grew up, I kind of started to understand what this was. This was a marriage getaway weekend. Okay, mm. Everything implied. Mm-hmm. And so around you know, junior, senior year in high school... My parents get back on a Sunday night, and we're all hanging out in the kitchen. It's my brother, probably my sister was in bed at this time. My brother and I, my mom and my dad in the kitchen, we're just catching up from the weekend. And we're we're kind of finishing up the conversation, and my brother asked the question. He says, so did you guys make love? And Wow. (laughs) Just went for it. It just went for it. (laughs) And I'm like... No, 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 no. We are not going to talk about this here. My mom is squealing, and my dad is like, we can talk about it. We can talk about anything in this family. But that was the end. I walked upstairs. I was like, I'm out of here because the discomfort level just shot off the charts. And later at that point, you know, had a conversation with my brother. I was like, what are you doing? Why are you asking this question about what mom and dad are doing on the right. weekend away? Just let them have a weekend away and just, you know, you, you don't even have to think about it. They come back and life is back to normal. But that was that moment. And I'm like, we can't talk about this. Mm. Well, that's, that was kind of the summary or the banner over my home. Wow. And I grew up in a strong Christian family. Okay. And... I, yeah, at that age, I was like, I knew I came to this planet somehow, mm-hmm. and it was probably through sex mm-hmm. that my parents had, but we're not going to talk about it, mm. is how we approach mm-hmm. the topic. So yeah. that's kind of where I was. I don't know. What what about you? Yeah, that's, growing up. So, so actually, um, 
not not a, a totally uh, dissimilar experience mm-hmm. because um, and and this is actually funny. So mom and dad, if you're listening to this, just <laughs> know that I love you. But and they were they were both counselors actually. Okay. So I, I think God has a sense of humor that I went into counseling mm-hmm. and you know uh, after you know being in counseling myself all those years mm-hmm. under their uh, their roof. But um, but yeah, they you know we would we would occasionally talk about sex, mm-hmm. but like a formal conversation or like an ongoing conversation mm-hmm. or a dialogue about mm-hmm. that um, really wasn't it really wasn't had. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I can honestly say I to this day I still learned more about sex from you know my experience at at school, mm-hmm. talking with my friends, my peers. Yep. Um, and uh, than I did really from my parents. Yeah. Um, and looking back on it, I honestly wish that was that was different. Yeah. You know. Uh, and of course, no no parent is perfect. Right. Um. But but I I look back and and I wonder. I'm like, gosh, like how would my experience have been different if I um had been kind of more um kind of engaged mm-hmm. in an ongoing way. Yeah. Through you know uh, my environment in my home about that. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah. I think the important, we'll, we'll get to this in the conversation, but uh, our kids are going to encounter the topic of sex earlier than we would like to think or we would want. No doubt. And so that's why, to your point, mm-hmm. that the, the intentionality and the proactivity that we take in this topic, it may be entirely uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but we get that. But over time, it's going to become a more comfortable or natural, maybe even a common conversation. So, yeah. but we'll get there in a minute. Um, so, I want to kind of wrap back around to uh, a little bit of kind of your specialty or your kind of your focus mm-hmm. uh, in care and counseling and your interest in the brain. Mm. So, as we talk about the the topic of sex, mm-hmm. let's start there. Let's start with the organ in our skull and. So why don't you just give us an overview of childhood and adolescent brain development in general that would mm-hmm. help us get to the topic of sex in a helpful way? Yeah. Well, you know, and, and even as a precursor to this, like I love that we are talking about sex. Mm-hmm. I love that we are in the church and we're talking about sex because yeah. um, it really doesn't happen enough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like there's this there's this huge discrepancy between sex being so prevalent in our culture yeah. and it's it's really in every you know um corner of our society you know whether it's in marketing advertisement anything like that yeah. um movies you know like um social media it's just right. everywhere and it, to me the fact that we're having this conversation today about sex and that the church is i think more than ever willing to engage it out of knowing that it's a necessity mm-hmm. um is absolutely uh you know like phenomenal. Yeah. So, so I'm excited about that, um, that we're even having this conversation, but yeah, when we, when we think about brain development, you know, at a very high level, um, our brains, uh, they, they always are forming. So mm-hmm. there's never a time that our brains stop being shaped. Um, mm-hmm. they, they stop forming, but from an early on, you know, from an earlier stage, childhood, you know, um, even infancy, the way that it develops in the brain, it really develops primarily from the, from the back to the front. Yeah. Uh, the base of the skull. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it kind of, it's think, think, think back to front from, yep. from bottom, from, you know, you know, bottom up. Yeah. Yep. So that's kind of, uh, a general way of thinking about brain development, mm-hmm. you know, ma- the, the basic functions of the brain, what keeps you alive, those are all found in the, you know, the lower parts mm-hmm. of the brain. Yeah. You know, your ability to breathe, you know, like all the the major functions. But as you move higher, those are the higher order functioning, yeah. you know, what's known as like our, our frontal cortex, our mm-hmm. prefrontal cortex, right? Those are the things that really make us human. Yeah. That's what differentiates us or, or makes us unique from the rest of creation, yeah. um, is that we have that prefrontal cortex. Yeah. And those are the parts that you know, come into um, play when we're thinking about planning, organization, you know, um, empathy, yeah. uh, you know, forethought, all that stuff, um, thinking things through before you do it, right. not just a mere reaction, fight or flight, what's going to keep me alive. Yep. Impulse control. Impulse you know, control. When you get into this topic here. That's right. Right? Yeah. That front part of the brain. 
Yes. Helping regulate. Yeah. Some the, of that. You know, the fancy term is executive functioning. There, you go. there we Automatic go. Automatic and executive function. The That's right. Top and bottom of mm-hmm. the brain. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Well, as we kind of think through specifically in the brain, I would love to know where does sex connect in the brain? Mm. And what what does it trigger? Because I think we get into some neurochemicals here mm-hmm. that is definitely out of my league. Mm-hmm. The brain is just a hobby mm-hmm. to me. I'm so mm-hmm. fascinated by it. It's like mm-hmm. space that we can explore mm-hmm. now without getting a spaceship. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it comes to what does sex trigger mm-hmm. in the brain that whether, whether or not makes it so appealing, mm-hmm. um, especially for adolescence mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's there's so much that happens in the brain. Like, you know, when you, th- when you talk about the brain, and you think about like even, you know, what does the brain have to do with sex? Mm-hmm. Let's just start there. Mm-hmm. The brain is the largest sex organ yes. in your body. Yes, that's key. That's just, that's what everyone yep. should know. Yep. Because, you know, you know we, we probably don't have time to get into all the different, you know, um, chemical reactions, mm-hmm. like all the systems that are involved. But in a basic sense, you know, um, a person's ability to respond to you know, stimuluses outside of their body and what they interpret, how that, how that kind of registers in their body, right? Because, you know, when we think about the brain, you have to think about it. It's like um, uh, the embodied brain. Mm -hmm. You can't separate your brain from your body. It's all connected. So there are, you know, um, literally probably hundreds of thousands of things or more, Mm -hmm. right? Probably millions of Mm -hmm. things that are happening all at the same time when you think about um, you know what creates arousal, mm-hmm. um, you know uh, cognitive, um, you know perceptions yep. and, and thoughts that are happening all at the same time. Things that even happen before conscious thought. Yep. So it's really like from an early age we learn to respond to lots of different stimuluses, and yeah. so sex, um, arousal, things like that. Um, those all just are kind of this continuum forward as a person, as a child develops, as they move into adolescence, as the hormonal changes happens. Those things are just on this trajectory, this continuum forward. Mm, And so, you know, I think in general brain development, you could think about it, what we've talked about, kind of, uh, you know, bottom up development Mm -hmm. and back forward development. You can also, you know, think about like, um, if you think about a kid. Yeah they see the world generally early on in black and white. Mm-hmm. But the more they develop and the more that they grow, their, their ability to see nuances, their ability to um, you know, tolerate gray areas, yep. things like that, to think with nuance, that, that capacity grows. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about sex, we're, 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 you know, it's important to remember those things. And it's also important to remember the power of modeling too. Mm, yeah. You know, there's we have these things called mirror neurons in our mm, brain, yeah. which from an early age, when we see something happen or we engage in something like, um, you know, it's the, there's a phrase that says neurons that fire together, wire together. Mm-hmm. So mirror neurons, it's like literally like that's how we model. Yeah. That's our ability. When we see somebody do something and then we replicate that, there's a, a connection, a, a neural pathway, right. two things, that two neurons that create a neural pathway, they bind together, right. and we form like a, a, a pattern of behavior. Right. And we mimic those things. So so it's important for kids and parents as well to know that like they're highly impressionable, they're learning at such a rapid rate, they're, you know, the impressionability, think about the impressions that are literally yeah. made in the brain yeah. because of those mirror neurons. So they see whether they're actually having conscious thought around it, they're, you know, even on a subconscious level, they are like um, the information is being stored, you know, a a model of, oh, this is how you behave or this is what's normal or this is what's okay and this is what's not okay. So all those things are really being, um, you know, like at a a rapid pace. Uh, Which just unlocks the why the power of pornography mm. is such an influence on sexual behavior Mm -hmm. because the brain is just mirroring what it sees. But it doesn't have to be just pornography. It could be what they see in a commercial or what they read in a magazine. Absolutely. You know, the brain goes, okay, that, that must be how you do it. Mm-hmm. So exactly to mm-hmm. your point about modeling behavior mm. and healthy mm-hmm. sexual behavior mm-hmm. in that way. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of brain science that, you know, we could get into, like you're saying. But what do parents do with it? What would mm-hmm. you say, where do parents start 
when it comes to talking to their kids about sex Mm -hmm. and going from the brain to that conversation? How can they start that? Yeah. Um, Well, I think remembering that your kids are highly impressionable. The first thing that I oftentimes encourage parents to do is is kind of um, take some inventory themselves of how they feel about sex. Yes. how comfortable, how anxious do they feel about um, talking about those things and um, and being able to to do some some individual inventory there yeah you know and then also taking some inventory in terms of how what am I modeling yeah what type of life am I living that like what what messages am I am I sending to my kid mm-hmm. um, to, to my children yeah. uh, at this point in time you know even things that are not necessarily, um, overtly sexual, yeah. like even things like acts like of affection mm-hmm. in the home, yes. you know, yeah. um, verbal affection, nonverbals, right? Yeah. Those things that communicate, you know, love, mm-hmm. and uh, and and that's that's ultimately where 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 sex starts. You know, we'll yeah. talk about like the holistic nature of yep. sex. Yep. It can't be re- reduced to just you know the act of intercourse mm-hmm. or things like that. But but you know when we think about brain science, when we think about the impressionability um, and and the necessity to talk to our kids. The other thing that I think is really important to know is that there is this what's known as a principle of first exposure. Mm, yeah. And this this has to do a lot with um, what a lot of people know um, as uh, you know like assimilation versus accommodation. Okay. Right. So assimilation is is um, knowledge that occurs when a learner encounters a new idea, and they fit that idea into what they already know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, so think about like a container. You're just filling existing containers. That's okay. what a, that's what assimilation is. You're yep. making room. You're making space for mm-hmm. for something that you already have kind of a framework for, a schema for. Yeah. But you're filling that container. Accommodation is is knowledge that's more substantial. So it requires the learner to reshape those containers. Mm. All right. But remember when we when those neurons are formed, when the mirror or the mirror neurons yep. fire, when when those those early roadmaps get paved, parents should know the power of hey, do you want to be your first uh, your your child your child's first um, it like person that they talk to right you want to be able to make the first impression yeah the expert on the subject exactly and so remembering that you know um that's a really awesome responsibility Mm -hmm. that is a that's a huge responsibility because again like you said kids are going to learn about it really early in our culture how they learn about it is really important. Mm-hmm. Yep. Are they going to learn about it from pornography? Yep. Are they going to learn about it from their friends? Are they going to learn about it from a worldly perspective, yeah. from a secular perspective? Are they going to re- learn about it from a religious perspective? Yep. Are they, or are they going to learn about it from like a biblical perspective? Yeah. Yeah. Um, those are all really important things. And that's why yeah. I think it's really important for parents to know like, gosh, like their brains are forming and shaping all the time. Mm-hmm. I want to have a positive influence yeah. um, and, and, and invest in their future health and how they see things. So I want to be the first one to address this. Yeah. And you were the first person to present this idea of the principle of first exposure mm-hmm. that I had heard. And it, it just connected with me immediately. And it almost caused a little bit of a panic mm-hmm. as a parent to go, okay, my children are going to trust someone mm-hmm. about information. And it, that person could be totally misinformed. It could be something from the internet, but they go, that's my trusted source. That's the principle of first exposure. So I'm going to continue to go to that person to find out the truth about this subject. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to sexuality, Mm -hmm. I want to be that person. Mm -hmm. And I hope parents can embrace that responsibility. Like you're saying, it's a privilege of responsibility. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And to even tie back to what you're saying about how we think about sex. Because some people see sex as gross, and you know, that's probably how I was raised. It's, mm-hmm. This is off limits. But you can also see it as a gift, or you could just see it as a function for children. Mm-hmm. You know, So how you ever categorize that is going to influence how you think about it, how you talk about it, and then how you respond to it when it's presented. Right. So I'll just share a quick story about the principle of first exposure that I, I was like, okay, I've got to do something with this. You know, there's sexual commercials are on the TV all the time, whether it's a movie preview or it's just an advertisement mm-hmm. for something. And it is almost nearly impossible 
unless you throw the TV out, to guard your kids from seeing something. Mm -hmm. And it was was around the time of the NCAA basketball tournament that stuff about uh, President Trump and Stormy Daniels was being talked about. Mm. And this commercial came up, the interview with Stormy Daniels came up at every commercial in between timeouts of the basketball game. Hmm. I was like, I can't get to the remote fast enough to change it. Yeah. You know, but they're telling the the viewer who she is and what's so, you know, uh, interesting about this interview here. Mm. So it's like, okay, this is my moment. I have got to say, okay, boys, do you know what they're talking about? Mm-hmm. Why they're talking about it? I didn't have to go into much detail mm-hmm. about it, but I want to be that expert. Mm-hmm. And that is that is the kind of the dexterity and the agility that parents have to have when it comes to the the principle of first exposure. Yeah. The other example I have is my son is kind of a just an information uh, hog, for lack of better terms. He just <laughs> craves information. So he would pour through books, uh, you know, an encyclopedia of all the information in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, he'd get one of those books from the library, and it covers everything mm-hmm. from outer space to mechanics to anatomy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm flipping through that with him and I'm like, hey, there's actual an anatomy page on this mm-hmm. here. That's not something to be ashamed of mm-hmm. at all. But mm-hmm. he's going to see a penis and a vagina mm-hmm. on the page. I need to be the one to tell him about those mm-hmm. and what they are. And it's okay to talk about them. So and that's just kind of that. I was like, okay, I got to do something with this there. And so just to kind of emphasize the yes. importance around the principle of first exposure, there's just a couple examples that I've tried to wrestle with. And I haven't always hit it perfectly or been as nimble as I need to be. But yeah. well, you it's know, really helped me. I, th- I appreciate you sharing that. And, and um, you know, we've had a, a similar experience with our mm-hmm. kids too, is that like they had like a, it was like an anatomy body book or whatever, all about the body, yeah. right? And so um, we kind of saw that as an opportunity even early on because they were naturally asking questions and for for my my wife and I we saw this as a great way to begin to engage them and to start that conversation first to kind of create a wonder Mm -hmm. and you know like there's all children have natural curiosity about sexuality you know they're going to ask questions about like you know well, you know, why is she different than me? Yep. You know, um, those types of things, right? right. There's so, so not squelching that, not um, sending a message of like, um, that's taboo, right? So we want to give them a perspective, I think. I love what Chris Valadin says, um, Pastor Chris Valadin. He says, um, uh, you know, um, God celebrates sex. Mm. Religion shames sex. Mm. And culture perverts sex. Mm. The word perversion is second version. Mm. God's celebrating sex, creating it for good. Yep. That's the first version. Yep. And I think we have this wonderful responsibility and privilege to be able to communicate the first version as best mm. as we can. It won't be perfect, yep. right? Because yep. none of us are. But to be able to look at, like, how can I communicate the good uh, you know, first version that God yeah. created and yeah. his intention for sex yep. and to to do, to kind of walk them through that path yeah. early on so that their brains have a healthy perspective around sex. And again, knowing that it's impossible yeah. for any of us as parents to guard our kids. Mm-hmm. So wouldn't it be better to help them think through things yes. and, and have a great solid foundation mm-hmm. and then to be able to have discernment and moving forward of like, what's the message that commercial sending to me right. about sex? Right. Huh. That's even part of that like higher function, yeah. right? The yeah. ability to think about what you're yeah. thinking about, yeah. you know, my, that, that mindfulness, that metacognition, mm-hmm. those types of things. That's right? really awesome. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so help parents make the connection from what we've said about brain science and then what the scriptures and the Bible, mm-hmm. what the, the writers of the Bible have told us, mm-hmm. taught us, instructed us on sexuality. Mm-hmm. Because I, I love what you just described there, that God celebrates religion, shames That's right. or condemns mm-hmm. sexuality mm-hmm. in that way, unfortunately. Unfortunately. And so we need to reclaim that, and to your points, one reason why we're doing this podcast, because I don't know, as uh, growing up again, 
I would go, oh, sex must belong to the culture mm-hmm. because we never talk about it in church. Mm-hmm. But no, sex belongs to God. Mm-hmm. Created mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So the writers of the Bible have something to say about it. Mm-hmm. And we have a responsibility to understand that. So mm-hmm. help us understand that a little bit. Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's, you know, if if any if there's anyone out there that understands it all, um, it, it, they're a liar. <laughs> um, so, you know, when we talk about brain science yep. and, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, biblical teaching on it, um, there's, you know, there's, uh, there's so much that you can make, you know, connections on, but, but I love, I was reminded, um, just the other day, so I was thinking about kind of, you know, how do we weave these two things together? Um, Psalm 139, 14 says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, uh, fearfully, um, if you look at the word there, it, it really means like mysteriously complex. Mm. There's a complexity and a mystery to um, how God has has fashioned us, yeah. but there are things that we understand, right? Brain science and neuroscience is just giving us, you know, as, as technology develops, so that we can really understand what's happening in our bodies. Yeah. To me, it just illuminates the the mis- you know, the yes. mystery, um, you know, this this complex mystery. But but we're finding out new things, so that's mm-hmm. exciting. But in regards to what God has commanded and what God, what the Bible says about this, you know, anything of value. God puts boundaries around. Mm, yeah, that's good. You know, yep. like God, if God values sex, if he celebrates sex, then he said there's got to be boundaries around it. Yep. To not have boundaries around something that's valuable um, would be not only irresponsible, but I think it would, it would you know, it would question like, you know, the benevolence of God, right. you know? And, and, is, and, and is God really who he says he is, yeah, right? Yeah. So, so we're the creation. He's a created. If he designed it, if he created it to be powerful, to be good, mm-hmm. to be, you know, uh, a wonderful thing, um, he's like, this is how it's best used. Yeah. This is what it's meant to be. And that's always going to provide the most fulfillment. Um, it's going to it's going to always point back to God. Mm-hmm. And so I think like high level in the Bible, um, you know, God says it's wonderful, God says it's good, but God says it's powerful and mm-hmm. it's valuable. So please use this. Yeah. Please please enter into this mm-hmm. um, with a sense of responsibility, honor, and uh, and boundaries around yeah. it. And I think, yeah. you know, the, the model that we get in in um, in the Bible is is that it's for marriage between mm-hmm. a husband and a wife. Yeah. Um, it's actually a covenantal act. Yeah. Right? It's an act of bonding. Yeah. You're not gonna you know, like, is it really wise to bu- to to bind yourself emotionally, spiritually, yeah. and physically to somebody that you have no commitment to? Mm. No, you know, there's so yeah. much that happens. That's like kind right. of the holistic nature of sex. We're not right. just talking about a physical act. Yeah. We're talking about all of the chemicals that are even released into the brain yeah. that are like the bonding chemicals, yeah. right? You know, and so those things um, happen simultaneously. And God says it's a mystery when two people become one. One. Yep. So there's soul ties that mm-hmm. even can be created as well, too. And God has intended that for good between a husband and a wife yep. for marriage, right? Um, but of course, we have we live in a culture that has taken it out of those boundaries. Right. And, you know, there's been there's a lot of um, major consequences as a result of that. Yeah. Um, and and even I believe that when when you when you don't honor God's um original intent and the boundaries that he set up, mm-hmm. then what happens is that you open yourself up to all different kinds of, of, um, of spiritual oppression yeah. as well, too. Not, yeah. not just the physical right. things, but also just even opening yourself up to, to ungodly mindsets mm-hmm. and influences. Yeah. Um, and I think even at times, sometimes the demonic as well, too. Mm. So, you know, we are body, soul, and spirit. Yeah. Right? Yeah, right, and so it's it's so you know our our souls comprised of our mind, will, and emotions, mm-hmm. and God has designed us to be led by the Holy Spirit. Right, and sometimes what happens is in our culture when, when sin entered the picture, yeah. what happened is that the soul got out of uh, got um, uh, came above mm-hmm. and went above uh, this being led by the Spirit. Yeah. So there's like this upside down effect that happened yeah. instead of us being led by the Spirit, yeah. and then soul and body under that dominion. Right. Yeah. So those that's just, you know, when I think about like again a, a broad sweeping mm-hmm. kind of viewpoint of like what the Bible says, yeah. I think he says it's powerful, it's good. Yeah. Um put boundaries around it. Um I've created for you to experience the very best and here's how it is best experienced. Yeah. 
Um, and, uh, and, you know, that's, that's very, um, you know, different, right, <laughs> completely right, different right, than right. what the world right now, our culture says. Yep. But you have to remember, we live in a very specific time and place mm-hmm. where it wasn't always like that. Yep. And at the same time, nothing's new under the sun. You go back centuries, right? You know, um, millennia, yep. right? You, you start to see that, gosh, like, well, if Paul was talking about sexual immorality yep. in the churches, you know, 2,000 plus years ago, yep. and even before that, you know, uh, this isn't a new issue. Right. It's basically just been an issue, a disordering, a perversion, yeah. a second version that's been happening in our world yeah. ever since sin entered the picture. Yeah. And that's the real problem. But I think like God is redeeming that. Right. You know? right. Still got some room to grow, for it, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And, I, and again, to reemphasize, and parents, in my opinion, are so, somewhat God's first line of offense when it comes to reclaiming mm-hmm. sexuality mm-hmm. as God designed it to be. Yeah. And a couple of illustrations that I have used throughout the years when I, when I preach on the topic of sex, mm-hmm. and it's mainly been in the context of student ministry, mm-hmm. and all illustrations break down at some point, but one to your, to your point about uh, that everything that God values, he puts boundaries around. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of sports mm-hmm. and football in particular, mm-hmm. in that football is a game with a ton of rules. Mm-hmm. But if you removed every single one of those rules, and I would always say, you know, the, the quarterback could hand the ball off and the running back could run up into the stands if he wanted to, run back into the field, go get a Coke, come back down and say touchdown mm-hmm. like, without even entering the end zone. Mm-hmm. Without rules, that's totally acceptable, mm-hmm. but it would be chaos mm-hmm. in that way. So, People always go, oh, all these rules, you know, they're hindering, mm-hmm. they're restrictive. No, if you reframe how you see boundaries, then they actually sustain health. And then you can enjoy football That's right. with these boundaries instead yeah. of just being a free-for-all. That's right. So there, that illustration, the other one is, and I don't know if this one is the best, I love your opinion on it, but you talk about power. Mm. And I've always used the illustration of fire, that sex is just as powerful as fire, uh, and fire is a good thing, mm-hmm. right? Fire in a fireplace, fire in a fire pit is a wonderful experience. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. warms you. It can create community. You mm-hmm. share some more, one of my favorite things on the planet, and it's great. But a fire out of the fireplace mm-hmm. damages mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. in its path. Mm-hmm. You know, the wildfires in California, a house burning down, mm-hmm. like that's not a positive Experience in that way, so I don't know. Uh, what, what, yeah, what's your I mean, take I, th- on either I of those think those are great illustrations, um, and I think you know what it makes me think of is just you know they it is powerful. There is a need for boundaries, and um, you know, I think when we talk to our kids about the boundaries, we w- like we would be foolish to deny the reality that God has given them a sex drive. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. That God has wired them, um, that part of who they are is, is, is that they are a sexual being. Mm-hmm. And, um, and again, that is, that is good. So when we talk to kids about it, what we have to talk to, I think a better way of thinking about it is like helping them manage their appetite, their, their sex drive. Yeah. And, and, you know, it goes back to this idea of like, you know, integrity mm-hmm. and managing that. So if we acknowledge like the reality is you have a sex drive, what does a sex drive mean? It means you want to have sex with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you want to have sex with somebody, that is a healthy God given desire. Yeah. What are, where, why boundaries are needed is because we live in a fallen world mm-hmm. and we need guardrails to manage our appetite for sex yeah. and to, for, for us to experience it in a way that is for our good, yeah. not for our destruction. Yes. Or not, yeah. it's, it's, it's not having negative consequences. Yeah. Because God loves us. Mm-hmm. Right? And so everything God does, every, he's motivated, everything God does is motivated by love. Yeah. Even his anger, if you think about it. Anything God is angry at is, is something that's interfering with love. Mm. Yeah. So, so that is something that is, is like I'm profoundly passionate about. Yeah. As we talk about sex, it's like the reality of a sex drive, the reality of a need to talk to it at a, talk mm-hmm. at an early age, yeah. 
but and the need for boundaries because we do live in a fallen world, yeah. you know, and none of us, um, you know, everyone is in this process of of, of sanctification. If you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you're following Jesus, it doesn't mean that you're perfect. It means that God's grace perfectly covers you yeah. so that you can move forward to be filled right. um, and, and to, to have the, the fruit of the Spirit, yeah. right? Yeah. Which one of those is self-control. Right, right, yeah. Well, since you started going down the path of especially referencing the point about we were created with a sex drive there and we need to tell our children that is okay. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong about them. Yes. So let's get really practical. How and when should parents talk to their kids about sex? Um, well, I, I, the, the phrase that comes to my mind is early and often. Yep. I, you know, I think, um, the, when they start asking questions or they start being curious, even from, an, uh, you know, uh, the time when they're maybe just talking about, you know, uh, the differences between, you know, their brothers and sisters or yeah. whatever it is, and, 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 or, or they're exploring their own bodies, mm-hmm. don't shame them. Don't, yeah. don't, don't tell them, like, oh, don't, don't touch there, mm-hmm. because then you're already s- sending a message. Yeah. So I think early on, just using those every situation, even if it's a little anxiety provoking for you as a parent, yeah. see it as an opportunity. Be like, oh, this is a teaching moment. Yeah. You know, this is a teaching moment, and and I have power to be able to influence the way that they see sex right. in right. in a positive light, in a good light. Um, and so, talk to them early yeah. and talk to them often. Um, that's that's what I would in, in, um, encourage. And the reality, um, one of the this is a, a shocking reality. A couple of years ago, my team and I we were talking about um, some of the research that came back about um, you know the pornography industry mm-hmm. is that they're they're trying to capture the attention of, of children as early as the age of seven years old. Mm. Those are the people that they're trying to get. Yeah. And there are, you know, if, if, if you read about, you know, even the systemic evil of um, in, in the, the corporate, uh, you know, structure around right. even the pornography industry mm-hmm. and what supports that and how they go about doing that, it's, it's, it's really disturbing. Yeah. Um, so we have to be hypervigilant in a positive way yeah. and, and not so much feel like we're on the defense but go on the offense to say this is about re- this is about more than just trying to shield or guard my kids from the bad stuff. Yeah. This is equipping them and instilling in them um, an ability to think through uh, their own sexuality, their uh, um, what God says about that, and to do that in an early age. Yeah. And and there's not it's not like a one conversation thing, right? You know, for right. me it was like dad sat me down, yeah. had one conversation. Yep. That's how it went. Birds and the bees. Birds and the bees. That's yep, right. Yep. And so, and I know that's that's a lot of times people's experience, or yep. maybe the conversation didn't happen at all. Yep. So it can't be like a one-time only conversation. This right. has to be kind of a um, you know incremental conversations yeah. that are growing in in their complexity. Of course, you're, you're going to share things with your um, you know what you talk about and how you talk about things is important, and what yep. you share with your 16 year old kid. You know, or or the conversation you have with him versus what you have with your you know five year old right. is going to be very different. Yeah, and that's where you know having wisdom, being mm-hmm. in the know, but using those opportunities as they naturally arise in life to say, "Hey, this is a moment. Yep. This is a teaching moment." Yes. Um, what do you you know? And ask them questions. I'm a huge fan as a, as a counselor. Mm-hmm. I ask questions all day long. Yeah. Um, because I, I, it's it's more important for the person that I'm working with to discover what they really believe, what they think about certain things, to get their their brain right. firing in, in ways to say, yeah, why do I believe that? Yeah. Or what do I really think about that? Mm-hmm. Or how does that my belief inform the way that I live my life? Yeah. Is there a congruence or is there an incongruence? Right. That's what we want to do even for kids at an early age is yeah. get them thinking, hey, what do you think about that? Yeah. Hey, well, you just saw that commercial. Um, or that just happened back there with a neighbor, right? Yep. What, what, yep. what, you know, what, what was mm-hmm. happening for you? Yeah. Just kind of explore with them. Right. And I think that's, that's the biggest encouragement that I would have. Yeah. So you said early and often. Mm-hmm. And I think the emphasis there is that because it, the conversation gets harder later. For sure. So they don't necessarily want to have it or they've already found out. Mm-hmm. And so early and often has got to be the the best piece of advice Mm -hmm. because of that, the principle of first exposure, Mm -hmm. right? Don't you want to be the experts Mm -hmm. there? So 
the sex talk isn't just about sexual intercourse. It's about relationships and choices, wisdom, mm-hmm. intimacy, temptation, boundaries, as we've said kind of th- throughout this. But when we make sex all about the physical act, we overlook the reality that it has this multi- multi-dimensional mm-hmm. feel to it. Yeah. So how can parents elevate the other aspects of our sexuality instead of just focusing on just the act? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, sex is holistic, mm-hmm. you know, and it goes far beyond intercourse or a physical act. So so sex is a sacred form of communication. Mm-hmm. It is uh, exclusive. It's a covenantal act, and God's created it for us to experience bonding, pleasure, um, and deep connection and unity with another soul. Mm-hmm. And so that's uh, it, taking that holistic act, right, you know, um, or that the holistic uh, perspective is so much more vibrant and, and accurate of a conversation, I think, yeah. than just seeing sex as one physical act. You know, um, it's it's physical, emotional, and spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so, um, if we just reduce it to you know to the the talk of intercourse, right? Um, then I think we miss the deeper wonder and joy mm-hmm. of what God really intended sex to yeah. be about. Yeah. And of course, anytime you talk about sex, right? That's like that's the the um, the second stage, like you know, the 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 final bonding act that's done after relational work has been done. Mm-hmm. So you you know, think about like even our relationship with God. Yeah, like marriage, sex. Those both of those things, God, I believe God has created to reflect something of the Trinity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the unison that that, yeah. that Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, have together, but it also, um, you know, it it, it communicates something to us about how he's wired us for relationship with him. So everything that God does is relational. Mm. You know, going back even to the brain science, we have social brains. You can't, if you you can't, you can't say that we have individual brains, Mm -hmm. right? The embodied brain is wired in every way to be social for relationship. And so when we talk about sex, sex is a part of 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 our our capacity to experience relationship yeah and intimacy yeah and intimacy is just that idea of being known letting yourself be known and letting the other person see you um you know good bad whatever just mm-hmm. just as you are yeah and for you to know another person yeah. that's what sex is all about it's about intimacy and so even you know when we um, when i do a lot of work with individuals um, that are dealing with you know maybe sexual addiction mm-hmm. um, pornography or some other sexual addiction i always talk about it as a way of it's an intimacy disorder mm. because it's false intimacy yeah. it's a again it's it's a distorted way of trying to get your intimacy needs met but it's it's always going to leave you more hollow than than what you mm. what you what God intended you yeah. for yeah right so it's it's almost like there's already a hollowness there's it's a misguided misdirected you know attempt to try to fill those intimacy needs yeah or to cope with some of the the maybe even the shame that you're, they're experiencing. Yeah. So I think that having a holistic view of sex is really important, even in marriages. You know, I encourage husbands and wives a lot of times that maybe come in and they're saying, "Hey, we're having a difficult time in our sex life." One of the things that I I oftentimes want to understand is that how are you seeing sex? Mm. If you're just re- right. you know delegating sex to the bedroom, yep. or you know as one act, yeah then you're missing the larger picture. Yeah. You know, there's a whole book in the Bible, hmm. <laughs> Song of Solomon, right. that talks about the the romance, the pursuit, yeah. the the relationship there. Yeah. You know, so it's like if 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 a whole book of the Bible is written about that, yeah. you know, what does that say about God's, you know, holistic view of sex right. and what he intended it to be? Right. So I think that's a really a, a big part of it. Yeah, and I love that because what you're doing is you're elevating the truth that God's version of sex is better mm-hmm. than just the what kind of what we are told and often convinced by media or pornography is just this the two bodies together mm-hmm. and then you can walk away right but you bind mm-hmm. in more ways than just physical mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I love that and that elevation that's a deep topic that we could explore for days and we won't go in um, to that. But I just wanted parents to be able to have that perspective, that expanded yeah. perspective, that even in their own, you know, sexual mm-hmm. uh, relationship, mm-hmm. 
that it's more than just physical. Mm-hmm. And so their kids need to know yeah. that as well. And it has that spiritual component mm-hmm. in it too. So we're going to wrap this up with just kind of some final questions here. Sure. We'd just love for you to kind of answer, give give parents a little insight into mm-hmm. some of the the different offshoots when it comes to the sex talk. Yeah. So we'll, we'll land here with the, some final questions. So the first one is, why should parents encourage their kids to wait until they're married to have sex? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think it comes back to the conversation that we had before about um, anything that's valuable mm-hmm. should have boundaries. Yeah. And, um, and if, if God's the creator of something, um, you know, it's, it's best to honor what he originally intended. And yeah. I think God has always intended us for joy for the best, just what you talked about, like for for the very best experience. Yeah. And so I think parents should talk to their kids, right? If you're a good parent, you want good things for your kids. Yep. You don't just want to like from a place of fear, talk to them about it and be like, don't do it. Don't do it because something really bad could happen. Mm-hmm. Well, is that true? Sure, it is true. Mm-hmm. Something bad could happen, yep. you know? Um, but if you can frame it through the lens of like, like, manage this, like, like steward this part of your life. It's one of the first things in a a child or a kid's life that they can steward, you know? Um, And, and that's a big part of even their identity formation, you know? So it's like thinking through and and encouraging them to say, wait, because of goodness, not because of fear, you know, fear is, uh, it's an inferior motivator, right? Love is superior. Mm, yeah. Everything that's done in heaven, everything that God does is about is, is out of a place of love. It's motivated by love. It's motivated by by cherish cherishing yeah. us and wanting the very best for us. Yeah. And I think that if we want good gifts for our kids, knowing that at some point we lose an ability to influence our kids in a, in a major way, they're going to be able to make their own decisions. Yeah. But until they're ready to make their own decisions, you know, set up the necessary boundaries, yeah, right? Yeah. Have those ongoing conversations, right? And be able to, I think, frame things in a positive way of like, this is so good, yeah. buddy. This is so good. Yeah. You know, wait, let's mm-hmm. like, don't go it alone. We're in it with you, you yeah. know? Um, and I think also having other positive role models too mm-hmm. in a person's life that are saying the same thing. Yeah. You know, they the, the classic phrase, it takes a village, right? Right. right. You know, if, 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 if you can get other people talking to your kids, um, not as the primary communicator, mm-hmm. but as, you know, to support what they've already learned from you, yeah. you know, yeah. um, then, uh, then I say that's, that's huge. Yeah. 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 That's good. Mm-hmm. How should parents talk to their kids about sex if their kids have had or are having sex? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, I would say the first thing is um, even if you're freaking out mm-hmm. internally. Tell your face not to. Tell your face not to. <laughs> <laughs> tell your face not to yep. freak out. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, you know, you're going to have your own emotions and feelings about that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying deny those or ignore those right. things. Right. Um There may be a grieving process of your own that sure. you have to go through. Right. Sure. You know, that, and, and that would be a you know, very appropriate and normal. But first of all, like, don't overreact. Don't Mm -hmm. let your kids see a face of loving concern, Mm. um, empathy, you know, just slow down with them. If if it's something that's happened, but it's not happening in the present moment, you know, just be a safe place for them. Like, tell me what's going on. What's, what's happened, you know, just be a safe place for them to, to unpack that. Right. Um, and uh, so that's that's the first thing. Um, and if it's still happening, you know, really do the same thing. Yeah. But there may be some some things, you know, some a uh, next step in terms of assessing boundaries yeah. and um, additional action plans to be put in place, mm-hmm. whether it's for their safety yeah. or it's for, um, you know, their health. I mean, that you know, we there's negative, uh, positive and negative consequences to every decision. Right. right. So, you know, I, uh, I could never speak into all the nuances and different situations that mm-hmm. parents may come upon. Yeah. But I think in a general process is, is be a safe place, um, slow down with them, be empathic, mm-hmm. and, you know, engage God in the process. Yeah. And I would say, you know, if it's happened or if it has happened, remind them that, you know, their virginity, 
um, you know, or even, you know, if they've uh, done something like oral sex, things like that, that Mm -hmm. those sexual acts do not define them. Right. Yes, it's something that they chose to do. And, you know, you make it about the decision. You don't make it about their identity. Yeah. You differentiate behavior from who they are. Mm, That's good. That is a huge deal. That's really good. So if you can be empathic with them, you're really validating their emotional experience. Mm -hmm. And if they've made a bad decision, you can remind them that this doesn't define them and that they don't have to continue to make decisions in the same way that they have been making them. Yeah. And so they're not broken. Mm-hmm. You know, there is hope. There's nothing that God can't restore, yeah. you know. Um, but there are, you know, there's a reality of some consequences. And there's a lot of difficult situations out there where there may be consequences in the natural sense um, for uh, for some time. Um, but that doesn't mean that God isn't going to restore them right. or can't bring good out of something right. that feels um, very difficult. Yeah, yeah. And to kind of... Um, respond a little bit there's there's a side of it that every choice has a consequence mm-hmm. like you said the positive and negative and you're you have to take responsibility for that mm-hmm. and so helping them understand that decision and that's why elevating sex beyond the physical mm-hmm. right because one piece of advice that we can give parents whose children are sexually active is Make sure they're using protection, Mm -hmm. for sure, because of this consequence. But because it's not just merely physical, we need to have a higher view of that. Because that could just be the easy answer, right? Mm -hmm. That's what schools teach, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they teach abstinence. Why? Mm -hmm. Why? What's the higher elevation to abstinence Mm -hmm. when you have a sexual impulse, Mm -hmm. right? And so protection is not the the final answer. Mm -hmm. There is a better explanation of that, in which you're talking about the integrated whole of sexuality, right? It's more than just that. That's right, and you know, let's just let's just take uh, you know that that approach. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's been used for for some time, yep. but the the consequences for not having a a really high view of sex, yeah, that I think the Bible has is not just the physical, like, okay, well, yeah, maybe there's, you know, someone's using protection, maybe someone's not getting pre- uh, pregnant, maybe there's, you know, not uh, the transmission of a right. sexual disease, something like right. that, right? There are emotional and spiritual implications that I believe are more profound mm. um, and more destructive yeah. than um, than the physical. That I imagine that you're unpacking in your counseling sessions mm-hmm. Years later, mm-hmm. in that's some right. ways, yeah, and and that's 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 those are things that impact marriages, yeah. right? Yeah, that's even why you know, and, and I don't think it's you can really have a conversation about sex and not talk about how a person's doing relationships, right? right. Or how a per, like or or even having a theology of marriage, yeah, because God is designed, you know, it's like the classic song, you know, like love and marriage, love mm-hmm. and marriage, yeah. you know, they go together like a horse and carriage. You know, I know that sounds cheesy, but in yeah. reality, it's like anytime you talk about like um, sex, right, or even like um, uh, like erotic love or, mm-hmm. or sexuality, like you have to be talking about relationship. Yeah. You have to be talking about marriage because, again, those two things were designed to go together. And, you know, Genesis talks about mm-hmm. that, right? Yeah. For this reason, a man shall leave his mother and his father and cleave to his wife, right? right? And the two shall become one. Yeah. So so the, that's the God's order. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's uh, it's it's really important yeah. they had, from that holistic perspective, yeah. you know. That's good. Yeah. I think we've done a good job uh, emphasizing kind of what's true, better about sex when we have the conversation. But oftentimes it's just easy, sometimes natural, just to kind of veer off course and use shame Mm -hmm. when it comes to the sex Mm -hmm. talk. Why Mm -hmm. should that be avoided? Mm -hmm. Why should we avoid shame when it comes to the sex talk? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I think, again, shame shame is the... um, it's it's there's actually been a, a lot of research done in the last few years on shame so so I'm I'm really excited about shame being named mm-hmm. in our uh, our culture and and so people know what it is you know guilt is feeling bad for something that you've done shame is feeling that you are bad there's that identity right. component to it yeah. and it and and shame feels like I am what I am and I can't change it mm. 
there's it's hopeless. Yeah. It feels hopeless. Yeah. Okay. I've lost my virginity. I'll never exactly. be exactly pure in God's eyes. Exactly. Right? That's shame. And that would be again that kind of there. There maybe there maybe your your child has already or your your um, son or daughter has already lost their virginity, mm-hmm. and they are believing the lie that their virginity is who they are. Right. It right. was like this holy thing, and they lost it, and then their whole sense of self gets dismantled. Yeah. Well, if you use shame to address the situation, if that's something that's happened, yeah. or as a motivator, or again, it's, it's, it's an inferior motivator. Shame is an inferior motivator. Mm-hmm. Remember, everything that God does is through the lens of love yeah. and relationship and connection. Yeah. And shame is so destructive because it destroys a person's sense of self, mm. but it also destroys relationship. Right. And if you as a parent use shame as an inferior motivator instead of love and concern and care, then what happens is that you risk destroying the relationship with your with your son or your daughter. Yeah. And that's that would be the worst thing of all mm-hmm. because while there may there may have been a, a bad decision that's been made, yeah. right? Or there's or there's some tension there, some difficulty there. If you lose the relationship, man, you're on real shaky yeah. ground. Yeah. Because then you're not just talking about an issue, right. you're talking about the very like the bedrock yeah. of the foundation for that person yep. being healthy and connected yeah. and the hope that God um, has for them. Right. And I think parents, you know, they they need to recognize that that shame is mm-hmm. that inferior motivator. Yeah. And so being motivated by love and concern, it actually, you know, if love and concern helps draw the person in. Mm-hmm. It helps take them, avoid isolation and disconnection and invites them into relationship. And, you know, yeah. David Chadwick says all the time that rules without relationship equal rebellion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that there's a lot of truth in that statement. Right. right. So yeah. yeah. So it's it's really it's not helpful at all. Yeah. I think you can talk about the decisions that were made that mm-hmm. were maybe poor decisions yep. without bringing or making this about their, their identity, identity or yeah. they are bad. Yeah. yeah. That's really good. Well, let's wrap this up with kind of just a summary question. Sure. And it may just be reemphasizing what we said all along the way is, what is a healthy view of sex look like? Yeah. Um, God celebrates sex. <laughs> the world perverts sex. Yeah. Religion shames sex. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, say what God is saying about sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Celebrate it. Recognize that it's holistic. It's um, a wonderful mystery that God has designed for his children to enjoy mm-hmm. within boundaries yeah. of a marital relationship between a husband and wife. Yeah. And, um, and that he's designed us for intimacy and romance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, there is, there is so much need for people to regain, I think, a vision of romance. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes in this day and age, there has been a, um, you know, it's almost like romance seems naive. Mm-hmm. Oh, could that really happen? Yeah. And um, that's, I think that's come from people that already are, have been disillusioned. Yeah. Um, and or they've been hurt, and that that kind of creates a uh, a distorted lens to look at relationships yeah. and and sexuality and sex through, and so re regaining a vision of of romance and the holistic nature of it, I think, yeah. is the healthy view of sex because I think it's the way that God views sex, yeah. and um and I think we need to practice as the church saying what God is saying about mm-hmm. any, not just sex but any issue. Yeah, what does God say? Yeah, what's the original version? What's his intention? Yeah. Let's say what he's saying yeah. and feel confident to talk about that. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And talk about it early and often. Early and often. There you go. That's so, right. Well, I always like to wrap up a conversation with uh, someone from Care and Counseling. Uh, how can parents connect with Care and Counseling? Sure. Uh, how do they connect in that way? And then I'll wrap this up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, we uh, we do have a Care and Counseling Center. And so if, um, if, if you're a parent and you're out there and you um, are wanting just some guidance of how you can walk with your kids, um, you can feel free to reach out to us. Um, uh, we have a wonderful staff um, that would be happy to get you in for an initial assessment. Um, and you can come in together as parents, or if, if you're even just navigating things on your own as well, too, you can call in to the Care and Counseling Center mm-hmm. um, at uh, 704-716-8775. And so um, that would be the, the first step yep. um, to get an assessment, talk with somebody, kind of understand where you're at, what you want to work on. Um, or even if your child's been struggling with something and they need a safe place to talk about you know 
know, what they're feeling or what they've been through. Uh, maybe something's happened, and we certainly want to be uh, a safe place for them to, to talk to as well, too. Yeah. So, um, but uh, but that's uh, that's that's one form of care that we would great. love to, to to offer. Awesome. Really grateful for that. Well, let me say a prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this really important conversation that we can have open and honestly, and I pray that we would have it in a healthy way. Thank you for sex. Thank you for creating it, for celebrating it, uh, for giving it to us as a gift that we need to handle with boundaries. And I pray this for our parents, that they would have the courage to start the conversation with their kids. And if they've feel like it's uncomfortable or they don't know the words to say, I pray that you would make it natural and that they would form those trusting relationships with their children as the people their kids can go to when it comes to big topics like this. We pray for the children in our church and throughout our community who uh, were given sexual impulses in uh, their brain and their body that you designed and created, and I pray that they would understand that you are a good God, and you have given them this gift of their body and relationships and emotions, and I pray that they would trust you with their lives and the choices that they make uh, relationally and sexually, uh, both now and into the future. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Parent on parents, you got this. Thanks for joining us for the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their families. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you showed your support by sharing, subscribing, and rating this podcast on iTunes. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest to you, visit foresthill.org.